You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This course is from our International Catholic University Classics Collection, originally recorded between 1995 and 2005. The topic of this lecture is cloning. In general, technology outpaces ethics. That is, technology figures out how to do things before it asks the question, ought this to be done? And medicine suspects that a sick person might benefit from some intervention and proceeds without asking the question, ought this therapeutic modality be undertaken? Science is propelled by the energy of the research imperative and medicine is driven to compassion by the therapeutic imperative. The moral questions such as, is this contribution a real contribution to human flourishing? Are the means to accomplish this desired end good? Is the end in itself a real human good? Do not enter consciousness at the same time and with the same exigency as the research imperative and the cure imperative. Human cloning would be no exception to this observation except for scientific failure to this point. The roadblock to the scientific and medical juggernaut to the industrialization of human cloning is that the technique of cloning in human beings has heretofore baffled researchers. This is most likely a temporary delay caused by a lack of understanding of the necessary elements required for epigenesis and subsequent epigenetic programming failures or abnormalities. It is likely that these obstacles will be overcome. There will no doubt be an insight into the art of human cloning, just as there was insight into the spiraling double helix. This pause in technological facility provides the opportunity for careful consideration of the moral concerns surrounding human cloning before it becomes a practice. The next lectures will address the issue of human cloning in the following manner. First, a brief history of cloning. Second, an introduction to two significant reports on cloning. Third, clarification of the terms and a description of the process. Fourth, the examination of ethical issues and the opposing views surrounding human cloning to produce children. Fifth, an examination of the issues and opposing views surrounding human cloning for biomedical research. And sixth, some conclusions will be drawn and some lingering questions will be raised. Cloning of animals is a relatively new procedure in the biological sciences and its few successes have been accompanied with much failure and wastage. In 1938, Hans Spiemann was the first to envision cloning. Most of the early attempts at cloning were limited to frogs, and in 1952, the first frogs were successfully cloned. The first results, however, were dismal. No healthy frogs reached adulthood. As scientists began to discover the reasons for their failure, they became more successful. In 1997, the first cloned mammal, Dolly the sheep, was born. Success with the production of Dolly was achieved only after the production and death of 277 sheep embryos. 
Dolly was euthanized at age six because of illnesses usually associated with elderly sheep. Sheep of her breed usually live for 15 years. In 1998, the University of Hawaii cloned healthy mice that have produced offspring. In 2002, researchers at Texas A&M cloned the first cat, Calico Cat. And in 2003, Batang calves were cloned from frozen somatic cells of a calf that had died 20 years earlier. In the spring of 2003, a mule of particularly valuable traits was successfully cloned. The most significant reports on the issues of cloning, both cloning to produce children and cloning for biomedical research, have been prepared and presented by the report of the National Academy of Science, Scientific and Medical Aspects of Human Cloning, which was published in January of 2002, and the report of the President's Council on Bioethics, Human Cloning and Human Dignity, which was published in July of 2002. The National Academy of Science, in its report, made the following recommendation in regard to reproductive cloning. Human cloning should not now be practiced. It is dangerous and likely to fail. The panel, therefore, unanimously supports the proposal that there be a legally enforceable ban on the practice of reproductive cloning. The National Academy of Science, from the outset, limited its work to scientific and medical issues surrounding human cloning. The report of the Academy focused on safety issues for the clone and the mother. It calls attention to the need to follow already established rules of scientific research, including success in animals, and suggests that the Academy revisit the issue in five years. Dr. Irving Weissman, chair of the NAS panel, summarized the position of the panel in the following. Data on reproductive cloning of animals demonstrates that only a small percentage of attempts are successful. Many of the clones die during all stages of gestation. Newborn clones are often abnormal and die, and the procedure may carry serious risks for the mother. Hence, the panel urged a five-year moratorium. The NAS panel, however, approved cloning for biomedical research. The report had this to say, finally, scientific and medical considerations that justify a ban on human reproductive cloning at this time are not applicable to nuclear transplant in the production of stem cells. Because of its considerable potential for developing new medical therapies, for life-threatening diseases, and for advancing fundamental knowledge, the panel supports the conclusion that biomedical research using nuclear transplantation to produce stem cells be permitted. In reaching both of its recommendations, the NAS panel called for broad national dialogue on social, religious, and ethical issues regarding both types of cloning. The President's Council on Bioethics, whose membership was broader in its expertise than the membership of the National Academy of Science, included, in addition to scientists, philosophers, theologians, as well as those with expertise in law and public policy. The President's Council unanimously held that cloning to produce children is unethical and recommended that this type of cloning ought not to be attempted 
And finally, that cloning to produce children should be indefinitely banned by federal law, no matter whether the project was supported by the use of private funds or supported by the use of public funds. The potential for physical harms to children in the process of cloning are so grave that all of the reputable scientific ethical bodies to have studied the issue are at this time of one mind on the issue, namely the possible risks to new human beings are greater than the benefits that might accrue from its existence. The report of the President's Council did not enjoy the same unanimity on the issue of cloning for biomedical research. Seven members of the council voted to ban cloning for biomedical research. Three voted to place a moratorium for four years on cloning for biomedical research. And seven voted to go forward with cloning for biomedical research. The compromise position reached by a majority vote, 10 to 7 of the council, was to recommend a four-year moratorium on cloning for biomedical research. In voting for this compromise recommendation, the Council, as did the NAS panel, called for broad dialogue on the issue. And in addition, the Council called for a comprehensive national review of all current and projected practices of human embryo research, including pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, genetic modification of the human embryo and gametes, and related matters with a view to recommending and shaping ethically sound policies for the entire field. Before taking up the ethical issues inherent in human cloning, a significant language issue needs to be addressed because there is considerable confusion about the different types of cloning. It is important to use terminology that is precise and fair. To use a term such as therapeutic cloning in regard to the use of stem cells derived from human embryos, which were destroyed to harvest the stem cells, is to focus on the intention of the cloning without considering the source of the stem cells. It obscures the process in the end. To continue the use of the term therapeutic by itself tends to make compassion the sole value in decision making. Recall that the integral goodness of an act requires more than good intention. The object, the circumstances, and the intention must be good also. The terms that will be used in this lecture are those adopted by the President's Council on Bioethics. That report used the following descriptive terms, cloning to produce children and cloning for biomedical research. These descriptive terms embody a clear definition of the process and a clear statement of the goals of the process. The summary of the Council report contains the term and gives their descriptions. They are cloning to produce children. This is the production of a cloned human embryo formed for the proximate purpose of initiating a pregnancy with the ultimate goal of producing a child who will be genetically virtually identical to a currently existing or previously existing individual. Cloning for biomedical research is the production of a cloned human embryo formed for the proximate purpose of using it in research or for extracting stem cells with the ultimate goal of gaining scientific knowledge of normal and abnormal development and of developing cures for human disease. 
Note that each process requires the production of a human embryo, a living, developing human being. The scientific descriptions of the process of cloning and the chosen ends of the process attest to the accuracy of the terms. Cloning itself is a kind of asexual reproduction. It is distinguished from sexual reproduction in which the new human being arises from the union of germ cells from two biological parents, the egg of the female and the sperm of the male. Cloning is a procedure in which a somatic cell, a body cell, which contains the full complement or diploid number of chromosomes, rather than a germ cell, which contains the haploid or half complement, from an adult is reduced to a primitive stage and is fused either by electronic or chemical stimulation into an enucleated oocyte, an egg from which the nuclear DNA has been removed, of the same species kind as the somatic cell. Once placed within the egg, the egg cell is reconstituted. The reconstituted egg is activated, usually electronically, and cell division commences and the organism begins growth. The technical name for this procedure is somatic cell nuclear transfer and is often referred to in the literature as skint. The embryo that was established in the skin process is sustained in vitro in a laboratory dish until its development is appropriate for use. If pregnancy be the desired end, the resulting cloned embryo would be transferred to a female host that has been suitably prepared for it. And if all went well, a clone that is virtually identical, except for the mitochondrial DNA of the oocyte, to the human being who donated the somatic cell nucleus would be born. If, on the other hand, research into the process of early human development is the goal, or if gathering the use of the pluripotent stem cells for, for regenerative medicine is the goal, then the establishment of the embryo becomes matter for those purposes. With the understanding of the scientific process of cloning in place, the next step is the set of complex moral issues. The first set of moral issues centers on the question of cloning to produce children. The second set of moral issues centers on the question of cloning for biomedical research. However, there is a fundamental issue underlying the process of cloning despite the ultimate goal of that process, and this is the status of the embryo. Until there is a careful and satisfying resolution, one that comports with scientific data of the ontological status of the embryo, there can be no consensus on its proper use. The question of cloning to produce children will of necessity be set within that very human framework of human desires and human compassion. There is a natural desire to have children, and there is a natural emotion to have children, and a natural emotion to love children and family members. If one cannot have a child sexually, that is, by the union of egg of the mother and sperm of the father, or if having children sexually is undesirable because of the possibility of the transmission of inherited disease from either the mother or the father, then cloning might appear as an acceptable alternative inasmuch as the biological tie to at least one of the parents might be maintained. In addition, if a child or another family member is dying, 
the desire to duplicate that family member by the process of cloning might appear as an acceptable and merciful possibility. Further, cloning might make it possible to produce organs for transplantation that would not be susceptible to rejection. And finally, cloning offers the possibility of duplicating the talent or the beauty or the intelligence or the athletic prowess of especially gifted human beings. Cloning to produce a child under most of these circumstances presents a powerful case of compassion. Cloning human beings of superior genetic endowment carries with it a worry of past genetics programs gone awry. There are limits even to the alleviation of suffering, and there are limits to the attempt to fashion human beings with superior or culturally desirable traits. Recall that for an act to be morally good, the intention, the object, and circumstances must also be good. The intention of compassion is both good and strong in itself. However, if the object, cloning to produce children, is wrong, then the act is wrong and must be restricted despite the strength or power of the passion. Reason must inform the heart. Similarly, cloning to produce human beings with desirable characteristics for human good as a whole is an intention that has a tainted past and is an intention whose worth must be measured along with the object and circumstances of the act. Cloning to produce a child with characteristics desired by the parent or by the parents, the right to have a particular kind of child, may be an attempt to exercise inappropriate control over progeny. Children have destinies of their own. Parents need to give their children the power, the roots and wings, to discern their own paths. In addition to the possibility that cloning might satisfy particular human desires or might be a compassionate human response to particular human needs, there are more general goods that have been set forth to defend the right to clone. Among those goods are the goods of freedom, of autonomy, and of existence. There is no denying these goods. However, the absolutization of any one of these goods as an individual right is dangerous, both for the individual who makes the claim and for the society who permits the claim. Human beings have a limited right to exercise freedom, and the right to free exercise is accompanied by the obligation to exercise freedom rightly. The claimed autonomous right of one individual to exercise a procreative right to clone must be viewed from within the context which includes the rights of a possible new human being generated in the process. The current legal status of abortion and the public ambiguity in regard to abortion tends to conceal these third-party interests. It must also take into account the rights of the family, within which the cloned individual will be nurtured, and the rights of society to the good of order. One of the most ardent defenders of human cloning for producing children presents his position in the following. A society that bans acts of human creation that reflect unconventional sex roles or parenting models for no better reason than such acts dare to defy nature and tradition is a society that risks cutting itself off from vital experimentation and risks sterilizing a significant part of its capacity to grow. 
Here is a very clear statement grounded in the prevailing philosophy of the contemporary culture. It promises human progress if human freedom is unhampered by claims of tradition and nature. To make this categorical claim is to forget the dismal history of human performance and to buy into the myth of inevitable human progress. Human decline is just as real as the possibility of human advancement. Existence is a basic human good, and well-being is a good both for individuals and for society. However, to choose to bring a human being into existence without regard for the significant probability of causing grave danger to that human being is to act irresponsibly, regardless of whether the human life is brought forth by sexual or asexual reproduction. Human reproduction requires careful attendance to duties to the newly generated human being. Hence, well-being, as well as existence, is a legitimate concern. Concern for the well-being of individuals ought not, though, to be equated with the elitist notion that only the planned, the perfect, and the privileged have a rightful place in the human community. Those who are born with disabilities and those who become disabled later on in life do not lose human significance and worth on account of their disabilities. Nonetheless, responsible human beings ought not to knowingly and willfully behave in such a way as to risk grave danger to another human being. Concern for well-being as a societal good, that is, that the members of society be healthy and have effective treatment for illness and injury, is a limited good that should be sought within the context that accepts human finitude and that understands the limitation of the principle of totality as it applies. In regard to the issue of the ethics of cloning to produce children, there are a whole set of questions. They are the safety of the procedure, the concordance of the procedure with norms governing experimentation on human subjects, potential harms and injustices to prospective human offspring, potential harms and injustices to women, potential harms and injustices to families, potential harms and injustices to society, and finally, considerations of the violation of religious principles. In concluding this lecture, the safety issue based on animal experimentation will be addressed. The other important issues will be addressed in the next lecture. The National Academy of Science report and the report of the President's Council on Bioethics both concur that at present there is not sufficient technological expertise to successfully clone a human being. The report of the National Academy of Science contains a rather complete collection of data on live births from the cloning of animals. The report of the President's Council contains a summary report of live births from the cloning of animals. The extensive data in the NAS report summarize the cloning results for a variety of animals, sheep, cattle, mice, pigs, goats, and monkeys, and from a wide variety of cell types. The data in both reports show such low level of success and such high level of mortality and morbidity that if these were transferred to human experimentation, they would be unacceptable. The high rate of failure as fetal loss in the cloning of animals and the high rate of damaged and impaired offspring in animals 
preclude reputable scientists from moving beyond animal experimentation to human experimentation. Furthermore, those scientists who before the issue of the ethics of human cloning became a central ethical concern, experimented with cloning procedures, were unable to move beyond the sixth cell stage before the organism itself began to deteriorate. The scientific suspicion is that the lack of success results from failure in epigenetic programming and or in the imprinting mechanisms that have not been successfully activated or only incompletely activated in the cloning process. Epigenetic programming coordinates the processes required for the proper and orderly early development. Imprinting mechanisms direct the timely expression of appropriate genes. Misexpression or perturbations in expression result in developmental failure. The next lecture then will cover the extensive ethical problems in genetic programming to produce children and in somatic cell nuclear transfer for biomedical research. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.